Welcome to Coffee and Crime, a true crime podcast where I drink some coffee and talk about some interesting true crime stories. This is a special midweek episode on an unsolved crime that has piqued my interest. I was watching the show Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. If you've never watched it, it's a fascinating show. They just rebooted it on Netflix and season two is coming out soon. Um, and this particular episode caught my attention. It's a the case of Patrice Andres. If you want to watch it, it's called 13 Minutes, and I believe it's one of the uh, first episodes, maybe episode two or three. Um, so, my dear listeners, grab yourself a cup of coffee, curl up on the couch, and get ready for some true crime. <laughs> Patrice Andres was a loving mother to her son, Delvis Wade, nicknamed Pistol Black. She had had him in a previous relationship. They lived in Cumming, Georgia. She was a dedicated mother, always going to Pistol's meetings and games. Patrice also had a passion. She loved to cut people's hair and make them look beautiful. She liked to do her own son's hair as well, changing it up every few weeks. When she was younger, Patrice would work hard in other people's salons, and when she finally had the opportunity to open her own, she did. Patrice had a great business, with clients who would always come back to her for their haircuts. According to her friends, she was a fun person to be around, and she loved her job. Her friend Nancy said it was her dream to open her own salon, and it had finally come true. Her current husband, Rob, was the one who helped her start it. Patrice met Rob when she was 30 and he was 50. At that time, she was only renting a chair at a salon. They met when he stopped by to get a haircut. The two fell in love and later married in 1997. Patrice had a sister named Kayleen Kramer, and she recalls that Patrice loved to give people big hugs when she greeted them, and she was just the nicest person to talk to. Patrice's friend Anne also easily became friends with her after she walked in for a haircut one day. They started to hang out all the time and would talk on the phone a lot. That's why Anne found it strange that one day Patrice did not answer her phone. So she went to the salon to see what was wrong. The police were already there by the time that she had arrived. It was on April 15, 2004 that Patrice Andres would go missing from her salon hamburgers trim and tan and her remains wouldn't be found until over a year later on december 6 2005 to this day no one knows what happened to her but that does not mean this case was without its theories and speculations when police first arrived at the scene it did not appear to be disturbed so there was no reason to think that she was kidnapped or worse the only odd things were that the cash register was open and empty and her still cold lunch was sitting next to the microwave. There was no sign of Patrice, though. Outside, there was another strange thing. Her car was in a different spot than it normally was. According to customers, she always parked in a specific spot, and her car was moved to the front of the shop instead of the side. She would always park next to the side door so she could enter easily. Other than that, and the missing money from the cash register, 
Nothing else was awry. Pistol was in his biology class when he got called to the office. The police were there asking him if he had spoken to his mother. He had not since that morning when she dropped him off for school. They asked him if he had a way to contact her. He tried calling her three times, but she did not answer. She always answered his calls or called him right back if she couldn't answer them at the time, so this was not the right behavior for her. Police took Pistol to the salon where he learned from detectives that she was missing. Rob was an immediate suspect in her disappearance and was asked to be questioned upon his arrival to the salon. He agreed and understood why. They always had to rule out the spouse. While they were at the salon, law enforcement ordered a search party as the family looked on. Dogs and police swarmed the area, but ultimately found nothing. They could only theorize that she had possibly run away. None of her friends or family were buying that for a second, though, because she would never leave her son alone. She loved him too much. When nothing came up, police decided their next step was to make a timeline of what had happened the day of her disappearance. On that day, all of her clients stated that she was very short with them and not as attentive as usual. Usually she would be talkative and polite, but her morning clients said she seemed distracted. And at 11.50 a.m., Patrice's salon got a call and no one answered. Extremely unusual for Patrice. After gathering this information, police believe that something must have happened to her between her last appointment and at the time that someone called and she didn't answer. At around 11.45 a.m., two separate witnesses claimed to have seen a strange car parked in front of the door to the salon. Right next to her, police found Patrice's car, parked when they arrived at the scene. One witness, Tammy Vincher, noticed first Patrice's car, a Chevy Lumina, both parked in front of the salon. The Lumina had a Georgia quail on the license plate. She had seen two women in front of it, one seemingly Patrice and another woman, in a strange altercation. Some believe this car might be the key in finding the killer, and the killer they were looking for when over a year later they found the remains of Patrice Andres in Dawson County, Georgia. On December 6, 2005, some six miles away from the salon, a man named Albert Clark and his friends went out for a snack break from their job and saw buzzards flying around an area in the nearby woods. When they went to investigate, they at first only found a dead animal, but then Albert spotted something else behind the dead animal, a human skull. Police scoured the area and found more remains. They were confirmed to be that of Patrice Andres. Now that her remains had been found, it was a matter of finding whomever had done this to her. Pistol immediately told the police he believed that Rob had done something to her or had been involved in some way. Rob seemed like a loving husband, and he still admits to this day that those seven years were the best of his life. But people speculate that he may have been involved in her death. This is heavily speculated because at first, Rob seemed like an attentive husband who cared for Patrice and Pistol, but he would soon change his tune about a year after marrying Patrice. Pistol claims that Rob was very rude to him and would always make snide comments about him, saying that Pistol wasn't good enough. And according to Patrice's friends, Rob seemed like a very jealous person, always hovering over Patrice. Pistol had claimed that at the time of her death, Patrice was contemplating divorcing Rob. Maybe that had set him off. 
After Patrice went missing, within 24 hours of her disappearance, Rob changed all the locks on the doors and wouldn't let Pistol back in the house to collect his belongings. This is very strange. Rob had clearly stated many times vehemently that he had never liked Pistol and didn't want him in the house after Patrice went missing. But if your wife is missing, missing, not confirmed dead, just missing, then wouldn't it be smart to leave the locks the way they are if she ever came back so she could get inside the house? It's really strange that he changed the locks on the doors. Rob claimed that the day Patrice went missing, he was out getting gas about 45 minutes away. And he had a timestamp that said he was there at the time and that it was physically impossible for him to have been there at the salon. That doesn't mean it was impossible for him to have been somehow involved, though, and police knew this. Police never truly eliminated him as a suspect, though, and from his interviews, he seemed overly defensive and a bit off. He even admitted to sleeping with her ashes. That seemed to line up with the overly protectiveness, hovering, and jealousy that others claimed he had for her. Rob even refused, to this day he still refuses, to give her own son, Pistol, anything to remember her by. Also very strange, if you ask me. At one point after filming the show Unsolved Mysteries, this is where they talk about this case in an episode called 13 Minutes. So if you're interested, go listen, go watch that episode. The director of the show, Jimmy Goldblum, actually commented on the part where Robert admitted to changing the locks in the house within 24 hours. He said in a podcast interview, I think there's a really salient point there, which is that he did it within 24 hours. Goldblum went on to say, I think at that point in the case, you have police dogs out, you have the town going through the woods, you have ATVs, so everyone is searching. There's still the idea that Patrice could come back, so the fact that he felt comfortable to change those locks within the 24-hour window when the whole town was under the belief that she was missing and still alive, I will say in terms of things that stoked my imagination on set, that was a major one. And he's right. It's very strange that you claim to love your wife, you would want her back in your life if she was still alive, and she'd barely even been missing for a day, and you're already changing the locks in your house and refusing her son entry to it. It's really, really strange behavior. It's as if he already knew that she was dead. There were actually a lot of people who are now interested in this case, again, because of the Unsolved Mysteries episode. And a lot of people think he, Rob may have done it or at least had been involved in her murder. And when I watched the interview portion for him, I rewatched it a few times and I also had a strange feeling about him. I'm no expert by any means on uh, profiling or anything like that, but he just seemed like he was acting very strange and overly defensive of himself and extremely uncomfortable with his interview. It's very worth the watch if you're interested in this case. Now, there were, however, possible suspects besides Rob. A serial killer named Jeremy Brian Jones actually confessed to the crime, but his confession was later recanted when they searched for her body where he supposedly dumped it and it wasn't anywhere near there. 
And he had only been telling them facts about the crime that were previously mentioned on the news or in news articles, so he could have made it all up. So they ruled him out as a suspect. Another serial killer named Gary Michael Hilton was also a suspect. He had kidnapped and murdered another woman previously, and her belongings were found in Cumming, Georgia. So there's a connection between his previous victim and the possibility of Patrice being a victim of his as well. He had also told authorities that hair salons were amongst his favorite places to go. He liked to go there during lunchtime as well which is about around the time where Patrice had been taken. He'd never been charged in Patrice's case, but he still remains a viable suspect for them to consider. It's been over a decade since Patrice has been murdered. A wonderful and nice woman with many friends and a loving son. A life taken too soon. What do you think happened to Patrice? Tell me your thoughts. Have you, too, been sleuthing into this case? I'll as always, I will leave all my sources in the description of this video if you're interested in knowing more about the case. Thank you for joining me on this special episode of Coffee and Crime. Until next time. This has been another episode of Coffee and Crime. Thank you for listening, and if you could, please give this video a like and subscribe and click on that notification bell if you haven't already. Welcome to the community to all of my new listeners. We have many social media accounts that you can follow to keep up to date with everything. And I have recently opened a Redbubble shop if you're interested in getting the Coffee and Crime mug logo on your own coffee mug. I make all the art for this channel and I make my own personal art as well. When I'm not doing this channel, I actually teach and create my own art. So if you're interested in supporting this podcast and supporting me as an artist, come check out my shop. As always, everyone have a great day and come back next time. That'd be Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode of Coffee and Crime.